Hello, my name is Julia Streets, and a very warm welcome to this special episode of Diversity Podcast, talking equality, diversity, and inclusion before a live audience at the Women in Payment Symposium in London on the 28th of March, 2019. Our objective is to shine a light on positive progress, call out areas requiring further focus, and offer lots of ideas to help drive change. And today, I am delighted to be hosting a panel with three distinguished industry practitioners, Smirti Vikari from Visa, Rashmi Prabhakar from Finastra, and Jackie Keogh from Western Union. Smirti Vakari is the head of fintech from Visa Europe, overseeing Visa's fintech engagement, strategy, and delivery programs. Rashmi Prabhakar is the chief of staff at Global Services at Finastra, where her job is all about uh, strategic initiatives and transformation and change. And Jackie Keogh is the global head of payments at GTN Western Union, responsible for delivering commercial and business growth across the organisation. And with that, I invite this wonderful audience at the Women in Payments Symposium here in London to join me in welcoming Smirti, Rashmi and Jackie. So, fabulous. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a live episode, which is very exciting. Uh, So, let me just uh, start with the whole conversation about diversity inclusion. We talk about how any organisation that is late to the discussion is missing out. And this is really all about the commercial impact, the positive commercial impact that diversity and inclusion initiatives have on your organisations. And I'm really keen to hear from each of you to start us off with uh, what impact your programmes have had. So, Jackie, let me come to you first of all. Thank you very much. Um, I'll start with, we're a 12,000-person organisation and 50% of our employees are female. Now, why do we care? We care because 56% of our customers are female. And people buy from people. Next element of why diversity is commercially important to us is we have staff in 58 countries around the world. Culturally, they are 58 very different countries. And we provide services in all but two countries in the globe. And that means that we need to understand why people buy from us. And I go back to my comment, people buy from people. So commercially, this isn't an option for us. We have no choice. Uh, how have we actually got to where we are today? You know, 50% of our employees being female, 40% of our senior leadership are female. How do we get there? It, it wasn't by chance, and it wasn't targets, and it wasn't initiatives. It was actually very much driven from the top. Our CEO realized that if he didn't do something about it, he wouldn't have a successful business. He realized that if he didn't have the right people to engage with the clients that he has, he he wouldn't serve their requirements. So it was led from the top and it was very practical. So everything we do around diversity and inclusion is practical. It's practical things like we review our job descriptions to make sure our job descriptions are gender neutral. And it isn't the he, she in the job description. It's the, are you willing to travel 70% of your time? Well, that's not possible for a lot of people. And actually it's not required in a lot of jobs. It's practical things like our interview panel always has to have male and female on it and always has to have different race and cultures on it. 
It's practical because we, we insist when we're employing headhunters that they give us a group of people to, we can potentially employ that are both male and female and diverse in terms of their, their nationality. It's practical activities that we've done to get us there. And it has to be continuous. The minute that we stop focusing on it, it is so easy to fall back to old habits. Because the biggest challenge we continue to face is unconscious bias, where you don't even realize that you're not being inclusive or you're not a diverse organization and you're not listening to your clients' needs. So thank you very much. I think that that's, that frames the conversation very beautifully. And, and Smith, I'd like to bring you in here from uh, Visa's point of view as well, because you know, uh, first of all, talk to us about your initiatives and what you've been doing, but also very mindful that the world of fintech actually is very male. We heard this morning about investment uh, into fintech as well. So I'd love to hear your, what you're all focused on and uh, thoughts around that. Absolutely. So, you know, Visa has really been on a journey when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And I think sometimes what happens to a number of companies when they're going through enormous change, as Visa has and as many of your companies have, uh, you get a little bit sidetracked from sort of the employee agenda in general and then also the diversity and inclusion agenda. So I've seen over the eight years that I've been there um, how far we've come. We have very similar commitment from the CEO, the global CEO. And I think one of the things that I think is most unique is we've created a gender council where the most senior executives in the company give up a significant amount of time every quarter to meet, look at the data, listen to very honest feedback, and talk through what's working and what's not. And the reason it's called a gender inclusion council is because there's been a lot of great work on diversity. There's targets for diversity. There uh, is, is a recognition across the board that we need more diverse candidates. Every single position has a slate of female candidates that are included in the, in the roster of potential candidates to consider. But inclusion is something else. Inclusion is something else entirely. It doesn't stop at hiring someone. It's making sure she's invited to the meeting. It's making sure if she can't attend the meeting that she knows what happened, that she has the information she needs to succeed, that she has the support that she needs. It's taking that extra step and changing your daily behavior and habits to address that. So I think it's it's a journey that we're on and it's something that we're, we're very focused on, but we're not 100% there yet. Um, in terms of uh, commercial impact, uh, we have a, a sponsorship that I'm particularly proud of. So we sponsored the Women's Football Championships, the um UEFA? Is that what you say? Sorry. I don't know all the acronyms, so you can see I'm American. Um, and it's it's a fantastic sponsorship. And our clients have been really interested. It was an open door. We were kind of wondering, okay, are we taking a risk here by putting a lot of money into something that's a female-only uh, sporting event? And actually, it, th there's been interest across the board. Fintechs, larger banks alike, they've all been interested. Uh, so we definitely have seen a positive commercial impact there. Um, one of my colleagues had a fantastic quote about diversity and inclusion that I wanted to share with you that I've shared with each of you beforehand. And it's, diversity is an invitation to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. So we still have some more work to do on the second, um, but I'm very proud of the progress that we've made. And, and when you're uh, working with fintech organizations, do you, do you also... Uh, you, you talked about sort of taking journey, taking them on that journey with you around the football as well. Uh, do you, are you beginning to see some change there? Are you insisting upon some change? Uh, are you encouraging change? So it's funny, you know, when I, I just came back from maternity leave, my second child, a few weeks ago, actually. And I, I walked into this role. It's a new role for me, a visa. 
And I met a bunch of fintechs in the first few weeks that I was back. And, you know, I met basically what, you know, 20-something-year-olds walking around in sort of Supreme sneaker. I didn't even know what Supreme was. And <laughs> these fantastic shoes and T-shirts. And it, so we were both, very, we, we were all very different. You know, they were looking at me like, okay, who are you? <laughs> and I was looking at them like, who are you? So actually, I loved getting to know them. And I've seen a lot of openness from them to get to know different perspectives from me because I'm also not what they expected. I think they expected some sort of, you know, older men to come and be like, well, this is what's happening in, in payments. And they were ready to like have that battle. Like, no, we know what's better. You know, we, you know, we're the new generation. We know it's better. And they, they get something like me in return. And I think it, it, it leads to sort of a really interesting conversation on both sides. I do see some openness. I think there's a lot of work to be done because fintech is still extremely, incredibly male-dominated. Sometimes I feel like we're moving backwards uh, rather than moving forwards there. Uh, but but I, every time I meet a fintech team, I ask them, okay, where are the, where are the women? Where are they? What, even if it's a consultant that they're working with, where are the women? Where are the, how many women do you have on your team? Oh, we're working on it. We're working on it. So it's, a, it's, it's something I bring up every single time. So we have to keep fighting there. Wonderful. And so um, let me bring in uh, Rashmi at this point about Finastra's point of view, because, you know, you advise clients all around the world as well. Um, so talk to us about your initiatives uh, and, and how that's driving change and what impact that's having. Definitely. So I think just following on from what Smriti said, I think um, being invited to the party and then feeling safe to dance is something that we talk a lot in Finastra. Um, and our CEO, again, we've got a lot of exec engagement and buy-in and sponsorship. So the way we kind of kick-started, I got involved with Women at Finastra probably about 18 months ago. Um, and since then, we've kind of layered our programs into kind of five slices, shall we call it. We started off with a huge data analysis exercise, like globally. You know, where are we at? Not just gender, but race, culture, languages we speak, nationalities. Um, and the results were just staggering. We have 95 nationalities globally within Finastra. We've got 10,000 customers, um, 10,000 employees and 9,000 customers across 130 countries. And I think we, we keep talking about what is it that we should be doing to make it relevant. Um, so I think excess sponsorship definitely won a huge data analysis exercise that we conducted. But the crux of it and the foundation of something that I'm very close to is coming back to the point raised earlier is unconscious bias. Uh, we all grew up in different countries, speaking different languages, different environments, different parenting styles that we've been experienced. And we bring that all to work. And then we're all making decisions together. And what I've quite consciously tried to do in every hiring decision, promotion decision, retention, rewarding, is keep your biases at home or outside of the workplace and apply objectivity. You know, what's the skill set you're hiring for? Uh, and that's a huge, huge shift that we've seen at Finastra. And 18 months, the pace of change has been fabulous. Um, it's been very fast, very fast paced. But the decisions we've been able to make have been quick as well. So we've been able to look at our policies. We've been able to look at our job descriptions. The journey is not over yet. There's loads to do. Uh, but we've rolled out about 350 people across Finastra have attended an unconscious bias training, all the leaders who are involved in decision making. Um, and following on from that, we've actually trained 40 trainers globally to then deliver the training into their site. So I think that's the crux. That's the foundation. Our thinking, our self-awareness, the mindset shift is number one then we move on to the decisions we make as a result of that self-awareness. So that's one thing. Um, the other two areas, I think we've also rolled out our community networks. And yes, I've heard before, I think on the panel earlier today, we were talking about 
gender bias and we were talking about, you know, husbands working from home or not working, etc. I just feel you've got to be comfortable in your own skin. Um, and it's really important for women to have role models. And that's something lacking, I guess. In, in, it's fabulous to see this room. It's also fabulous to see some men in this room. I just feel we need to create a support structure where you can go to, you can be mentored, extremely important. So we've got an executive sponsorship program where we've identified high-performing women. High-performing is, is a word sometimes I'm not comfortable with. I think we need to look at potential and help them up the career ladder, if you want to call it that, whether it's training, whether it's inspirational speakers. Uh, and I just feel that support structure. We, Everyone in this room, you know, I, I would urge you to reach out, find a mentor, and also mentor someone. It's just the, the possibilities are limitless. I just feel we, we've got to inspire others. That's the only way forward. And then the, f the final layer on top of this really is where do we go next? So the journey isn't complete. You can't stand still. You just, we cannot stand still. So it's find your next challenge. So I do want to get involved in kind of maternity returners, like paternity or maternity, parental leave. You come back. I've been, I've had two kids. Um, so for me, diversity and inclusion is really core. Um, it's the way I bring up my children as well. So I don't just stop at work and go home and say I've got my normal kind of mom job. Um, I just feel it's really important. I've got a boy and a girl. And the way I bring them up, I want to bring them up. I want them to grow up in a world where they don't even need to think about this or come to events like this. And they're just considered and accepted as they are. I think that's really critical to me. So, so a couple of things I want to just kind of probe away a little bit at. One of them is, um, where are the sticking points? So when we talk about this, we're on this journey of change. And it's a question to, to all of you, so, mm -hmm. so please chime in as you prefer. Is What do you see as the stick, biggest sticking points for change? Do you want to... One of the challenges is you can only work with what you have. So we talked about fintech earlier and male-dominated industry. Uh, the same applies for any senior role within an organization. You can, you can employ more ladies. You can employ different nationalities. You can train them. You can coach them. You can create all the opportunities. But in, unless you actually start building from the, from the bottom up, you're never going to get to an environment where you've actually got enough senior females. You're just not going to have it. We as an organization, Western Union, are very fortunate to have a, a, C, a female CTO. That's a rarity. You find me many senior, you know, CTO is in any organization because they are, they're like finding a needle in a, hairsta in a haystack. So what, well, one of the challenges we have is how do we build a big enough talent pool of females of different nationalities by ensuring we equip the organizations to have that choice, to, to be able to benefit from that mentoring, to be able to benefit from the coaching, to be able to train people so that when the opportunity comes along, those senior females or whatever form of inclusion we want to um, include in this are equipped to actually step up and take those roles. That, to me, is our problem. If you look at any organization, ourselves included, I can proudly say 50 males, 50 female, but the more senior you go up to organization, the smaller that ratio is. That's where our problem is today, and it's, that's going to take time. Yeah, so I think um, I'd like to add to that. I think I may be controversial in saying this, but for me, diversity is not just gender. Um, so I was reading an article earlier about the impact of diversity, but also ethnic and cultural diversity. So the way I look around it, when I look at my leadership team and I'm sat in a meeting and as the only female or woman in the room, I look at it in terms of where have all of the others come from? 
and what do they bring into the table? So I kind of refer to diversity as diversity of thought and of decision making. So if you've come with different experiences, the likelihood of your combined aggregated decision, you're going to challenge each other. If you're in a group of people where everyone's going to agree to the same thing, um, you've kind of lost the point of being in a leadership meeting. So I'd say sticking point for me personally, I think it's finding the time. And I've kind of done this as my evening and weekend job. So I'd say there's a lot of people passionate within every organization, but it's how do you carve out the time from your busy day job to actually devote to this. Uh, and for those who are really passionate, you'll do it. Like I usually stick my kids in front of the TV and say, I've really got to do these slides. You know, there's a workshop tomorrow and I've got to do it, but it's important to me. And so I do it. Um, but I'll say sticking point, exec sponsorship, getting buy-in from your execs is kind of number one and having them visibly motivate the rest of the organization, I would say it's, it's kind of critical to the success of any program or initiative. So Smriti, let, let me bring you in here. And, and, and I'd like to pick up on the question about sticking points, but also another uh, layer to that also is the international dynamic. Uh, and uh, there are certain countries in the world that are very well versed in the value of diversity inclusion. And there are other regions and territories that are perhaps a little behind the curve. I'm very keen to hear what, as actually to all of you as well, uh, as global organizations, what you're doing to, uh, to drive change into some of the further, less mature to the discussion territories. Right. I think it's an excellent question. Um, I think working for global companies like the ones that we represent is a very fortunate position to be in because they are very visible. They are very present. In the case of, of Visa, it's it's very much a consumer brand. So we have a responsibility to lead that change in everything that we do and the, the marketing that we put out and the conversations that we have with clients. And we're very, very conscious of that. So we have offices in 60 countries in the world and they represent pretty much every country in the world. Um, all of those 60 offices have uh, targets for, for women in senior positions. Uh, where they're not present, uh, we are actively working on bringing them in. So we are, our CEO actually goes and visits those countries to make sure that there's a, a strong talent, talent pipeline. It comes across in uh, the women that we promote to lead uh, country manager positions. Um, there are a couple of countries in Europe that have um, uh, probably slower growth in terms of diversity and, and inclusion on the agenda. We send uh, our most senior women out there to have those conversations. Our, our CEO in Europe is a woman, Charlotte Hogg. And so we're very, very lucky that she represents us. And she actually personally has taken this as her, her mission. So she goes. We, we make a big splash of it and we make a big deal out of it, which it should have. And I think that's a key thing that we do. Um, I think another, just to build on Reshmi's point as well, diversity of thought and the way we look at, at hiring, um, this is something we're doing globally as well, which impacts the, the countries that you know don't necessarily have this on, high on the agenda. I think one of the hardest issues that we've had to overcome, and this is something we all, men, women, everyone, when we, we're hiring, we tend to try to find people that, that are similar to us. And I'm guilty of this too. Okay, I want someone that I can talk to that I like working with, which is important, incredibly important. But that doesn't mean that person looks like you or thinks like you or has the same background. And so... We've been trying to encourage people in all markets to say, okay, if you want to hire a head of strategy in market X, 
they're not necessarily going to have 10 years of experience in consulting and then five years of experience leading in-house strategy and then having done a huge deal at um, Morgan Stanley for M&A and then have done this and then have done that and then have done this school and then have done that. We still have people that that create things like that, expectations like that. And you will never have a d- diverse slate of candidates from different backgrounds, cultural, educational, social, gender, if you continue to think like that. So that's actually being pushed very much from the top down. Of course, the wonderful thing about podcasts is we run out of time so quickly at these events. But I just want to ask you for for final comments just on um, reasons to be optimistic. What are you optimistic about? Jackie, let's start with you. I'm optimistic because there's recognition and every solution is created when you recognize you have a challenge. So I'm, I'm optimistic because we're all here, we're all talking about it, and because we're not just talking about it as a concept, but we're talking about it as an experience that we're all living and we're all doing something about. I'm optimistic, I think, for two reasons. One is Finastra is investing a lot in code.org, which is the R of code, so to introduce STEM, um, science, technology, engineering, and medicine in kind of female girls population and school children and secondly I spoke at my son's school a couple of weeks ago over International Women's Day um, and uh, there were about 40 children and I kind of said I talked about tech I showed them punch cards I showed them CDs and floppies and they were like what are these contraptions Um, but then when we got to the end of it I said tech is in your hand it's in your phone everything you're going to do is on a device Um, and the energy and the buzz of tech in that group of 10-year-olds, which is fascinating. So I feel we've got to live our legacy through our children, through people, you know, your nieces, etc. They are the next generation. So I, I guess, you know, advocate and mandate for them to come uh, forward and kind of be in the tech world. I think that's where I would focus my... Great. And last but not least? I am optimistic because... Uh, when I went with my children uh, to Rome to visit my husband's family a few weekends ago, we went on the plane and my son, who's two and a half years old, said, where's the pilot? I want to meet her. <laughs> that makes me optimistic. What a great way to end a conversation. <laughs> wonderful. And on that note, we must sadly draw this conversation to a close. So Shmiti, Rashmi and Jackie, it's been a fascinating discussion. And with that, I invite this wonderful audience at the Women in Payment Symposium here in London to join me in thanking the panel. And as always, to all our listeners around the world, my name is Julia Streets and thank you for listening to Diversity Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. This episode of Diversity Podcast was recorded live at the Women in Payment Symposium in London on March the 28th, 2019. Thanks to Mark Berry and the team at ABC Live for facilitating the recording. You can catch up with all our previous episodes on your favourite podcast app or via our website at www.diversitypodcast.com. And that's diversity spelt the C, not an S. If you enjoy listening to Diversity Podcast, spread the word. Tell a friend or write a review on iTunes. It all helps promote the show to a wider audience. Thanks for listening.